Okay, let's talk about what I think may be the most important theory, idea maybe. Now, let's go with theory for anybody that does the work you do. That should be a relatively good conversation. Hey, everybody, Todd Conklin, Pre-Accident Investigation Podcast. How are you? Well, I'm just back from hanging out with my friends in northern Minnesota. And you may ask, well, who goes to northern Minnesota on the last day of November? And the answer is, I did. I don't, I don't think I'm supposed to. But it was weird because it was uh, quite seasonably warm. In fact, it was warmer in northern Minnesota than it was in Santa Fe. So I had a great time, and I want to thank all those guys. That was really big fun. Good to see lots of friends, old and new, and spend some time with the folks at Minnesota Power. So thank you for a great trip. I couldn't be happier to have been there, and uh, it was fun, and we had a great time. And so tell your friends, because that was a great way to spend a few to- a day. Some A few times is what I about said. That's super English is... It's really hard to, you know, navigate. I, it's impossible. I can't do it. It's just, it's a part of me. So how are you? It's, um, it's towards the end of the year, which is always an interesting time and an exciting time and um, a fun time. And the weather for us, at least in New Mexico, is very interesting. We had lots of snow. I missed it, but I did get to suffer the consequences of a super late return home. But that's the story of my life. I'm not going to complain because it's tedious and boring. But I'm relatively certain um, that planes don't go where they're supposed to go. Just that's all I'm going to say. Then I'm off that completely. Today's going to be an interesting conversation. I'm actually really looking forward to this. And I haven't talked about it before because it's a concept that's relatively hard to talk about in a podcast. Uh, It's... It's a concept that leads itself to having some visual aids. But let's see if we can gut through this without visual aids, because I think you're going to find this to be a most interesting conversation. It is certainly one of the more valuable tools I think about when I think about how change happens in an organization and really how change happens like in a society or even if you wanted to take it to the smallest level, how change happens in a person. And so it's a, it's a, it's a pretty important concept. And I'll try to sort of line it out for you and give you the great details of how things are going. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If it's your first podcast, uh, hold on and welcome. I'm glad you're here. If not, and probably most of you have heard others, it's uh, good to have you back. It's, it's exciting because We've been doing this podcast, you and I, for, geez, almost 10 years. I bet 10 years. I don't even know how long. A long time, but like 10 years, I think. And uh, and it's been fun to watch it grow. That's interesting and exciting and kind of a bit weird. I mean, just being honest with you. Um, but what's more important is it's been fun to include so many people. And there's such great things in the pike coming down the coming down the tube as it were the podcast tube that are on their way to entertain you so 
super interesting people and lots of interesting things to talk about. And I, I'm just, I'm looking forward to it again. It's, it's funny. People ask me all the time, do you get tired of doing it? Do you get tired of doing the podcast? So I, I, I don't think the, I don't think I do actually. It's, it's definitely a commitment. I mean, it's, there's a commitment to it because you got to do it all. You can't stop. So that part's kind of, um, you know, commitment-y. But as far as content, I don't, it doesn't seem to be like an absence of stuff to talk about. We almost never run out of stuff to talk about. So that's kind of what keeps it going, I guess. I don't know. Other than that, it's, it's just what we do. It's, it's part of what happens. And, you know, with all these new gizmos and, and roadcasters and fancy pants microphones, um, it has gotten a lot easier. I will tell you that. The technology has absolutely stepped up to the plate to make doing a podcast even easier. If you're thinking about doing one, I would tell you you should do one. Like some kind of corporate podcast for your organization or a private, but maybe a podcast on, I don't know, uh, water skiing or whatever floats your boat. Uh, there's there's kind of cool stuff out there to make it happen. And it seems like people listen. I mean, I do. I listen kind of a lot. I have all my little favorite podcasts that are fun to listen to. And then I get to hang out with you. So it's kind of a double whammy and it's a pretty fun way to spend time. Okay, so let's get to the meat of the conversation. And today we're going to talk about a guy named Edgar Schein. Do you know Edgar Schein? If you do, then you know exactly how exciting it is. And if you don't, it's kind of a big day. Because the opportunity to meet Edgar Schein uh, is really an important opportunity in thinking about how organizations function. Now, unfortunately... Dr. Shine's no longer with us. He passed away last year. But I was so fortunate in my career to get to be a part of the Edgar Shine group really early on, at least in my career. There used to be this thing they had every year called the Cape Cod Institute. And somebody told me about it at work, at the Los Alamos National Laboratory where I was working. And they said, you'd probably really like that because one of the weeks, Edgar Schein does a class where you just kind of sit in an auditorium and he just talks. And so I, I looked into it and sure enough, he was going to do it. And it was at, it was in Cape Cod, which is a, if you've not been there in the United States, it's a very, very cool place. It's, 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 um, I stayed in a place called Provincetown, P-Town, which is fun at about, five million different levels it's just a hilarious place to be but it was a really interesting conference because the conference started at, it seems like it started at like nine in the morning and went to 1 p.m and edgar shine at that point he was retired from from mit where he was a, a professor for many many years professor of organizations he would sit in kind of a wingback padded chair on this stage in this little tiny auditorium, and there'd be maybe, uh, I would say, 150 people sitting in the auditorium seats kind of at the feet of the Buddha, as it were. And he would just kind of start talking and just have these conversations. And um, it was super interesting. Like, I remember the first year I went, 
I took like 75 pages of notes. That's a lot because it was only Monday through Thursday, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. So what is that? That's uh, 12 hours? Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's 4, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 1. Yeah, so it would be 16 hours of his discussion. And in the midst of the discussion, there would be this really nice break, and the Cape Cod Institute was very well done. And they would serve both sweet break foods and savory break foods. So no matter what you liked, you were going to be happy. And uh, the first year I was there, the first day I was there, I'd set through a couple hours of, of Edgar Shine, and I was super interested. And I noticed on the savory table, they had this really amazing-looking egg salad, and nobody was eating it because... I think people are fundamentally scared of egg salad. That's a different podcast. You'll have to listen to the egg salad podcast to get the details on that. But I was over there enjoying egg salad. And sure enough, you guys, as I was standing there getting some egg salad, Dr. Shine, Professor Shine, came up and stood beside me and he said, this is really good egg salad. I said, well, that's excellent. I'm very excited. He said, the reason I do this workshop is because of this egg salad. And then he looked at me and he said, we will have this egg salad every day. It's that important to me. And I said, well, I'm here for you because I'm very much pro egg salad. And he said, we'll get along just fine. And then he got some egg salad and walked away and enjoyed the break. And I got some egg salad and thought, this is pretty good egg salad. I mean, you know, the difference between like the best egg salad in the world and the worst egg salad in the world is probably not very much. If you're an engineer and you like to measure stuff, I bet the delta is not very large. But nonetheless, it was great. So we had this kind of first day bonding over egg salad, which was fun and interesting. And I sat there and took notes, and, and Dr. Shine talked about all the things he talked about. And he mostly talks about how organizations function um, and how important it is to understand the, how people and organizations interface. It's, if you're not following along, he's really kind of an early academic thinker in a lot of the ideas that we talk about and take for granted. And now are hardwiring into our organizations. I mean, he, he, he really understood the socio-technical interface that existed in organizations that were performing functions. And so that first year was amazing. I mean, just amazing. I came home back to work, rewrote all my notes, typed everything out, wrote a little report, even though I didn't have to, and submitted it to my boss who read it and submitted it to coworkers who probably didn't read it. But nonetheless, I was pretty excited about it. And that was the time pretty early on, because this is right when Dr. Shine was just crafting his book on organizational culture. That's the title, On Organizational Culture. And it was really the first big treatise written on culture in an organization. And he was talking a lot about this, this idea he had for how culture was was formulated how it was created how it was discovered how it was discussed how it happened um in an organization and i used all those words on purpose because shine would tell you that culture always exists you always have an organizational culture culture is is a byproduct of the individual values beliefs and actions of an organization 
kind of a different order. We'll talk about why that order was wrong later. But, but, and so he would talk tons about culture and he gave this idea, which went on to become pretty significant in his work, especially towards the latter years when he was writing some of his most important and most powerful things. He, he, he described sort of how culture happens. And he said it happens really at three levels. So there's a foundational level for culture, and then there's a secondary level for culture, and then there's a top level for culture. So foundation would be at the bottom, that secondary level would be right there in the middle, and then the top level would be at the top. But he was really, really very clear in saying that the bottom two levels, the foundation and that middle level, were unobservable. They were unseen. You could not measure them. You could not survey them. They were unseen layers of the culture. That the only really part of the culture that you could witness would be the top level of the culture, and the top level of the culture is, in fact, observable. You can watch it happen. You can measure it. You can survey it. You can take a picture of it. You can see it happen. Now, these three levels of culture are a really important part of the foundation of how organizations function. And what's amazing about Shine's work is that, in fact, this is the basis for pretty much all the work that's being done globally, no matter where you are on earth, around this notion of culture. And it starts out at that fundamental level with what he calls belief systems, beliefs. Now, beliefs are interesting because if you ask me to define belief, I, I think I would define it something like this. The degree to which you hold something true but don't need a lot of proof for. And what Shine would say is that the foundation of every organization is a core set of beliefs. They're non-observable. They're probably not necessarily provable. They're not going to lend themselves to academic data, to science. But in fact, they're these incredibly significant incredibly important foundational items that hold up the organization. So organizations are made up of a sense of belief. And what's remarkable is that very strong organizations have a shared sense of belief, a very core sense of belief. And you know this because if you work for some organizations, they're incredibly strongly identified with their workforces. Like uh, the example that comes to mind would be people that work for uh, uh, Coca-Cola, right? They're hardcore believers in the product. And, and that shared belief is incredibly important because that is the foundation upon which the next two parts of the culture are created. So foundation that's the first foundational block, is made up of beliefs. The second block, Shine would tell you, is therefore going to be the values of the organization. 
Now, beliefs are things that you hold true but do not need a lot of proof for. The definition I would just toss out for value is that a value is the degree to which you would give up some of life's energy to maintain. So let me give you an example. I believe candy is delicious. I don't need a lot of proof. It's a core understanding. I believe candy is delicious. Therefore, I try to be where there are candies available. So my belief system is candy is delicious. My value set is I try to be close to candy. Right now, that's going to be a that's kind of a crazy example, but it's it's a candy based example, so it's not all bad. That idea that beliefs influence values is in, is vital to understanding how people think, but more importantly, how organizations think. Now, this idea that an organization can think only really is espoused in the idea that the organization has a culture. And that culture is based upon a core set of beliefs. And one of the questions I'd ask you is, what are the core beliefs in your organization? And those core beliefs will absolutely thread their way up to the core set of values. So if people say, well, you know, safety is, uh, safety is not a value because values change, right? Safety is a belief. So, okay, so if safety is a core belief, then your value should reflect that core belief. So if safety is the most important thing we do, then our value set says when given an opportunity to look at a conflict between safety and production, safety will always win. That, that's always true because that's our value set. So beliefs influence values, and all of those two things, values and beliefs, are non-observable. You, you can't really measure them. You don't really have anything to look at. Those are things we hold true, and therefore we give up life's energy to create, but it's very difficult to observe those things. That's when the third box comes in. And the third box is observable. The, the third box, is that a word? Observable. You know, that's, I guess that's close enough. The third box is measurable. The third box you can see. And that third box are actions. So beliefs influence values, and values create actions. Now, I don't know if you're sitting there following all this, but that's pretty beautiful. I mean, if you want to talk about elegant, that's about as elegant as she gets. And what's amazing about that is that what Shine says is that observable action those are the things the organization does, and that, in fact, creates an observable artifact of the organization's culture. Now, if you want to, you can draw a little dotted line from actions back down to beliefs, because actions influence the belief system, which influences the value system, which creates the action system. So you can see where a culture actually can create its own energy, its own life force, 
and keep itself going. That's how come cultures are so important. That's how come cultures matter so much. That's how come people talk about cultures all the time. But it's built around this idea that beliefs influence values and values create action. Now, the reason that matters is because what Shine would say is you're ridiculous if you ask people to act differently because you're missing two-thirds of the equation. If you want to change actions, the very first thing you have to change are beliefs. And if we change beliefs, then that will change values, which will automatically change actions. Now, don't get too wrapped up around the idea of changing, because I'm not sure we change beliefs. I think we introduce beliefs to existing beliefs. So we can take where we are and add some new ideas, some new paradigms, if you will, and shift the belief system so that at the belief level, they see, feel, understand, sense a different belief, which then, of course, will influence a different value, which influences different actions. That's roughly a discussion of the three parts of culture that Edgar Schein was thinking about that first year 20 years ago, gosh, maybe even 25 years ago, when I saw him at Cape Cod. What was amazing is I continued to go to Cape Cod for many years. And it was so amazing because our relationship over egg salad grew and we became friends. And what was really remarkable was that he had thought about these ideas and every year they would be a little bit more mature, a little bit more fleshed out, a little bit more polished. And he would take this idea and he would talk about how we facilitate change in an organization, change for good in an organization. And what's amazing is that conversation over those many years became really important to me. I mean, it's, it's been nothing short of my secret weapon. Because I know that my job is to help change the belief system. The same as yours. I mean, that's your job as well. That asking workers to be more safe is not terribly effective. I have to create an organizational belief that safety is important. And one of the ways I've thought to do it is by creating ideas that become beliefs eventually. Like the one I think about all the time is you can either blame and punish or learn and improve, but you can't do both. Now, what's interesting about that is that's talking about action, but what we're trying to influence is that belief system. Or my favorite one is to redefine safety. Safety is not the absence of an accident. Safety is the presence of control, the presence of capacity, the, the presence of barriers. Now, the reason we have that conversation is because that shifts the fundamental first principle discussion of safety. And if we change the belief system, then we'll change the value system. Don't go out and seek risk. Go out and look for places where control is low, right? And then that changes the action. They actually go out and do those things. They look for places where we have lots of operational criticality, but not very much resilience. 
and they go out and actually take action around those things. That idea is vital. It's it's very important to what we do, but it's more importantly a, a basic way that change happens in every organization for any reason. Not safety, not environment, not quality, but for everything. Is when we introduce a new belief and the organization takes on that new belief, something they they believe to be true but don't need a lot of proof of, right? I, I, I don't need to empirically prove this, then that will influence the value set, which will eventually influence the actions the organization takes, which feeds right back into the belief system, which feeds right back into the value system, which feeds right back into the actions. That concept is vital and pretty interesting. I mean, I, I got to tell you, it changed everything for me. And it wasn't just the egg salad talking, I promise. It was way more advanced than just the egg salad talking. What it did was help me understand that we can't influence change by asking people to change. You can't change behavior by telling people to change their behavior. You can influence change by changing the way people believe about the organization at the foundational level. And so suddenly if I say things like the two things that you manage most are confidence and capacity, you can kind of see where that comes from. Those are belief systems which influence value systems which eventually are going to influence the action an organization takes. So how was that little conversation about Edgar Schein, huh? And egg salad. You didn't think egg salad would be talked about nearly as much as it was today, but yet it was. It was talked about probably too much. I mean, probably what's happening right now is some of you are thinking, you know what I want for lunch? Egg salad. I wonder where you get a good egg salad. And that's a hard question. You can make it yourself, but there's a lot of egg peeling going on there, and I'm not sure it's worth it. You know, it's just between you and I. That is one tedious job. That's like sanding. Ugh, ugh, who wants to do that? But nonetheless, that idea is one I've wanted to talk about for a while. I, that three-part model that Shine has, I mean, I guess it's a model. That three-part idea that Shine has around culture, that's a pretty powerful force. And, and what it does is it helps us understand how to be most impactful in our organization but it also helps us explain what's happening in our organization and why when we ask people to be better, do this differently, change your actions, those kind of things, not much happens. Well, of course, nothing's going to happen. they got to believe differently, which causes them to value things differently, which causes them think to act differently. That's what we want to do. I mean, that's where we're going with this, baby. That, that's been the, the drill all the way along. And that, I think, is a pretty interesting concept. Edgar Schein on organizational culture. If you've not read his, his last book, and probably his best, is called On Humble Inquiry, um, which is a great book as well. We can talk about that too. But I think you have to start with this conversation we had, the egg salad conversation, because it's a really important conversation. And remember, your job is to introduce beliefs into your organization. Because if you can get new beliefs going, man, the rest is pretty easy. I mean, it just kind of happens automatically. 
And that is encouraging at every level. Well, that's the talk. That's our conversation. That's the pod for today. Thanks for listening, you guys. So here's the deal. Learn something new every single day. Maybe you did today. Could be a good day for that. Have as much fun as you possibly can. Be good to each other. Be kind to each other. Check in on each other. And for goodness sakes, you guys, be safe.